0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who's the Deputy Chairman of Sassfin Securities in Johannesburg. David, we have to talk about one thing straight off, and that is... Sassel. Because it says here, I'm not looking at a business site now, I'm looking at the Daily Maverick. It says here, Sassel fires executives to restore trust. What better way to restore trust, Daily Maverick goes on to say, than to fire your company's CEOs. Sassel thought so at any rate, announcing the axing of Bongani Ngumababa, I think I'm saying that correctly, Mm. and Stephen Cornell as part of their consequence management process. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But anyway, Sassel went surging up today because everything is out the way now and people can get on with their lives as, as stakeholders and shareholders and Sassel executives. It's an extraordinary story to me, this this late
1: Charles rubbish. I, th- I think it's quite complicated or it's quite complicated to um, try and assess what's going to happen next. I think they had to stand down and I think the market wanted management to be responsible for the cost overruns. Lindsay, to start with like Charles, at the end, it's going to cost them anywhere between $12.6 billion and $12.9 billion. That's according to... Dollars the or rands? That came. Dollars, okay. Now, if you convert it at the moment, at the present rate, it, that comes to 182 billion rand. Where the market cap of Sassel is probably 188 billion, thereabouts, you know, give a little bit either way. So the thing is that at 182 billion Rand, their return is sorry, the returns they're going to make is not going to match an investment of that size. Yes. So the market's already marking them down. In my mind, I'm trying to work out well, what in the market's mind are they valuing Lake Charles? Because you certainly can 't value the rest of cecil 's project at six billion or seven billion. you know what I mean, which mm-hmm. makes up that so they 've in their minds uh, investors have already marked down this uh, you know the Lake Charles project to almost half maybe maybe eight billion, which was the original um, estimates maybe we 've already marked it down to those kind of levels, and somewhere down the line, Cecil will actually mark it down in the balance sheet to those levels, but Whatever you think, it's, a, it's been a huge cost overrun and a huge waste of money. You know, they'll start making money now. But, I mean, somebody has to pay for that, uh, you know, the $4 billion um, overstatement or overspend. So, management's responsible for that. You know, it's obviously a project. It would take a long well time managed. to get
0: back to $13 billion U.S. dollars, even yeah, if they do start yeah, making money now. Yeah. Uh,
1: but, no one, you, know, you, you know what, this is typical. If, I, if I'm if i here at Sassman sitting here and I write off 100,000 to two hundred 300, or 300,000 rand, I don't know, make a mess of that magnitude, believe me, I get one kick in the bum.
0: Yes. And,
1: you know, uh, somewhere along the line, I will take, I will get, uh, you know, I will suffer the pain of that. Yeah, you can write to 4 billion or something and 5 billion and, you know, you lose your job <laughs> or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No one really really suffers, other than the shareholders have suffered, et cetera. And uh, it's, it's wonderful to write off, you know, were you're not responsible to write off these huge amounts. And it's something which we see all the time. I mean, it, it happens in corporations all the time. So it's very easy to be gung-ho with shareholders' money. It's, it's very interesting.
0: It's, it's interesting what you say because I was watching a piece. I mean, it was a satirical piece on U.S. television uh, a couple of nights ago. And this person said, you know, Kevin Spacey apparently behaved Mm -hmm. inappropriately in a bar with a young man and touched the man's leg or his genitals or something like that in the bar and he lost his job and he's lost his career and it's all gone. Donald Trump can say in that (laughs) well-publicized and well-viewed audio recording, he said, I can, yeah. with impunity, grab a woman by the genitals, and yet he's still president of the United States. So it's one yeah, rule for one pe one person, one mm. rule for another. Yeah, I
1: know, I know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to overcome that one, and 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 somehow it's all been forgiven and forgotten. So um, yeah. yeah, but I think I think I think when you come back to corporate, um, the amount when I go through this year. And maybe over the last year or two years, and I see the amount of money uh, management has written off—it's it's staggering. Mm. With impunity, with impunity, you know. Yes. At, uh, in many cases, uh, in many cases, management still linger. They're still there. They're still earning their big money. Still earning huge amounts. Um, and 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 you've got to question that. You know, you've got to question who's in charge. I think because the. The boardroom becomes such a cosy place, and Lindsay, there's another aspect of it. We don't have shareholders involved anymore. Activism doesn't exist simply because there's so many passive investors today, unit trusts or ETFs, etc., who just haven't got the who just haven't got the energy or desire to actually take up those issues. So, uh, who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna sue? Who, was it only the the two CEOs that were responsible, or was it the whole Sassel board? What about the chairman? What kind of, what kind of uh, circuit breakers did they have in place or what kind of uh, controls did they have in place to stop this getting out of hand? Mm. Uh, yeah, So the two managers stand up. Everybody else is there, and uh, you know, it's life as, as, as usual. So they fell on their sword. But, I mean, you've got a board, and, and Lindsay, it comes back to the same Steinoff issue. You've also got non-executives whom you appoint there, to look at these things. So, you know, what are they there for? Mm. <laughs> anyway, very true. Well, they're there so, for their
0: 400000 a month, I suppose.
1: Ex- well, sure. So you've got to say, if these things can happen with non executives why the hell pay them? You know, why the hell have non executives mm. So wherever we've gone, wherever, you know, all the corporate scandals of this year, or corporal write-offs from EOH to Steinoff to Blue Label. Keep going. You know, the amount of money that is just shelled is money that has just been lost. And so, so, so where are all the controls, you know?
0: Talk about that. Actually, before we go back to uh, corporate issues and the JSC and the market action today, David, there's a little bit of a scandal brewing, according to the Sunday world anyway. I was speaking to Cathy Katapodis, the ex-news um, editor at uh, 702 Talk Radio, and she was telling me, that Gwedy Mantashe and Tito Mbueni are in a love, a love triangle. I love that word. I love that phrase or the love triangle with a woman in her early 20s. And she came up with all, all sorts of details. I mean, Gwedy Mantashe was called the tiger. Uh, Tito Mbueni was the controlling man. But it's just the last thing you need ahead of the MTBPS, isn't it? <laughs> Scandals everywhere, uh, at every uh, level of our society. Well, well,
1: well yeah, tea, tea, I hope it doesn't break before Wednesday. We've got the mid It's broken. It's, it, was in the suns- uh, it, it was in the
0: Sunday world, oh. yeah. They've, apparently, they're both um, in, in a love tussle with this uh, young 20-year-old. It's, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Let's go uh, back okay. to the cool. uh, JSC today. Uh, let's go to uh, more politics now. We've spoken a little bit about Donald Trump. We've spoken about the board at Sassel and the non-executives as well. Uh, but let's talk about Brexit because Boris Johnson said he, he rather be dead in a ditch than request an extension to bre- Brexit. And, of course, he's requested an extension to mm. Brexit and it's now been ratified by the European European Union and it's now yes. January the 31st. So I can't yep. see him dead in a ditch, but certainly he's made a fool of himself again.
1: Well, uh, I, <laughs> and everybody forgives him and think life carries on. I you don't. Know, so. <laughs> you don't forgive him? No. no I don't forgive him. What, what I'm trying to say is that... Uh, the rest of the UK or Parliament forgives him and we carry on. Mm. So what's the next move in in, in the uh, process? Are they going to have a general election before the 31st? Or does this go beyond the thirty first of uh, January now? I think they're voting I don't now. Know. Actually, I think they're voting it now. Isn't? I'm going to look.
0: Um, let me have a look at election vote while you okay. while you go on. What else is happening in the market today, David? Anything you're seeing? Oh, plenty.
1: I I, I think the big story is. Uh, oh yeah, Johnson pushes for December twelve election. Yes, it's just come through on the headlines now. So he's pushing for it is this what they're going to vote on now. I don't know if that's what you are Yes, so he
0: yeah, he was he was talking about that a couple of days ago, but now he's he's <laughs> I think the MPs are to vote on this in the next I think in the next few minutes actually. Uh, but anyway, mm. but uh, it'll be very interesting.
1: But I think I think the big story is that the S&P is at a all-time high now, that's the US market. Yes. Uh, it's at an inter- intraday high as well. So they're closing high was in late July at about 3.025. We're well above that now. We're at 3.042. But if you take an intraday high, in other words, we even had a new high there because sometimes markets rush up and then close a little down. Uh, So we're at all-time highs. And it's difficult to forecast or predict thinking about where we were uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know in the kind of climate that we found where there was Trump was fighting with the Chinese, there were the impeachment issues, brexit was uncertain as it is now uh there were Hong Kong was flaring up, there were so many uncertainties, so it's a little peculiar to find that uh, we're in these very high areas and um, you know corporate results are decent they're not spectacular in many cases they're down on where we were last year. But maybe perhaps a a little sillier than we thought. But um, there does seem to be uh, buying of, um, you know, certainly buying of equities. And and, um, Lindsay, I would only say this is against the fact that we're going to see further rate cuts in the U.S. And we're in a very low interest rate environment, which obviously makes um, makes equities, you know, more attractive, a lot more attractive. But um, it's it's quite peculiar because along the way we've been all over the place. You know, no one. No one would have forecast this with any degree of certainty. So I'm happy we're there, but uh, I'm just hoping we can hold.
0: Yes, I hope so too. And uh, I just wonder what the spur was. Was it uh, uh, corporate results out of uh, S&P-listed companies or was it the fact that there's this feel-good feeling uh, because of the head of, as Jim Jeffries, the Australian comedian would say, Isis, the ISIS uh, chap al-Baghdadi has been taken out in the last 24 hours. Do you think that bolsters trump's 2020 re-election campaign I,
1: I don't think so he was booed in washington i don't know that yeah, uh, he one. made an appearance yeah yeah, yeah so i don't i don't think he's mr popular and people are now talking quite honestly they're beginning to discuss elizabeth warren uh what would happen if she was head would uh would the uh republicans still hold the senate and there's all kinds of other issues he's been under trump's been under a bit of pressure with with uh impeachment. But I still think he's probably favored to take uh, the election. Yeah. But I think it's more to do with trade wars. I think may, maybe that they're going to sign this first, this phase one deal, and that will relieve some pressure. But I'm not sure. Um, I think most of it is. I, you know, is. We're in a low growth, low inflation, low interest rate environment. So if you can produce a decent set of results, I think uh, and give a decent dividend yield. I think it it becomes more attractive than, than looking for yield in fixed interest investments and that. So I think that's one of the biggest driver, is the fact that there are you know um, it's very difficult to find yield um, outside of equities. But who does? Yeah. Um, But yeah, looking at you know looking at the at the U.S. markets, it's tech stocks that obviously take the lead in these kind of markets. Uh, very strong there, and um, and you know we've got also Europe up quite nicely. So and that that's followed through here. So the sentiment uh, is catchy, and uh, you know we're having a pretty decent day on on the JSE you know, as well, with with a decent spread of um, you know decent spread of gains. Of course, what happens when when everything else goes up, gold goes down, and and vice versa. So gold shares under a bit of pressure mainly as gold price comes down and uh, people look for more risky investments. Okay. I hate that risk on, I hate that expression, risk on. Risk on, risk off, yeah. <laughs> anyway. What does that mean? <laughs> risk on, risk yeah. on. Do you think
0: this might be sort of a blow-off mm. uh, no, to know. the upside, or do you think this is just the continuation of something that's been in place now for just over 10 and a half years? And, and never forget that. We've been in the bull market for 10 and a half years.
1: Extraordinary. Is, we just grind our way up, you know. So um, if you've if you've been willing to take the uh, path, you know, you've done pretty well. You're doing okay, uh, and I think it's nothing more than the the consequence of very very low interest rates. And I think everybody wishes we could get out of that, and that you can go to a more normal situation where uh, inflation rears its head. And I I've got no answer for all of these. So don't ask me, uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation why inflation has never taken off. And I don't even think the the Federal Reserve or any central bankers or economists can actually explain it. They can come up with some kind of theories, but I don't think – um, you know, I, th- I think they're guessing, but it's nothing more than people feel more comfortable in some of these businesses, and of course, these businesses thrive where they don't have to pay if they borrow money. They, you, they don't have to pay any interest, so there's no punishment on their balance sheet if they if they go into debt. So it's 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 uh, you know I just go for the ride. I like it, and uh, I like what I see, and I say I'm a hundred percent equities for that reason because there's absolutely no incentive for me to go into a fixed interest investment that's giving me no return you know it gives me and in fact i, have, I might even have to pay in certain circumstances
0: yeah if you're an austrian bondholder or a <laughs> swedish <laughs> bondholder or a german bondholder of a two-year mm-hmm. note or something yes of course you have to pay mm-hmm. the bank to actually take your money is, it's unbelievable um it's like,
1: it's like having <laughs> well, a storage they, they, they facility say, yeah but, but Lindsay, if you think through it what is it saying it's just saying that those people believe that their money's safer in the bank even if they have to pay for it, rather than put it elsewhere where they could lose money because of a recession or because of some other fallout. So they're only doing it because they're absolutely bung, you know, dead scared of of losing it. Why would you put your money at a zero interest rate if if, if you weren't absolutely petrified that it was going to lose its value? Or uh, you know, or, or or some other factor would happen that that would cause uh, its depreciation, decay. So, so so this is the opposite. I mean, I'm on the opposite side of that. I'm saying, what the hell? I like these businesses. Microsoft gets a two billion. I mean, a ten billion deal with uh, with the Pentagon for cloud. <laughs> LVMH is taking a bid, making a bid for uh, Tiffany's at about $12 billion or whatever it is, so on. So <laughs> there's plenty of action out there. And you can finance these at zero interest. <laughs>
0: Why did I see something mm-hmm. today that I thought might be uh, the signal that it was the end of the market? Something listing or something. I can't quite remember what it is. Something happened today. And I thought, I'm going to talk to David Shapiro about this. But I, for the life of me, I can't believe, I can't remember what it is. But anyway, I'll, I'll come to it in a moment. David, a great sporting weekend that we yeah. just had. Rugby, first of all. Yeah, you're more of a cricket and a football fan than a rugby fan. I, but yeah, we can't ignore this this game. Savage as it I is. wanted
1: to play. Yeah, I you know, when I was seven, eight years old, I used to, I used to go watch rugby. I watched the uh, the Lions when they toured here in 1955. I loved rugby. I wanted to be a scrum half, but. I haven't got the ball for it anymore, you know. I'm like a twig. So I had to switch to soccer. And, and I must admit, when I, when I watch rugby, I used to love rugby, you know. But, I mean, I love the open play. But today it's so professional and so orchestrated, you know. And to be honest, uh, um, I know it can come under criticism, but it's just two brawny sides having a go at each other, you know. Banging into each other, and I say, I just wish that ball would come out. You know, I don't care about the result. You want to be entertained, and you want to see great moves. You know, I, in, in soccer, I love. There's nothing that I love more than than uh, a, 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 in a pearless shot from outside the area hitting the top. You know, in the top corner or something like that, or messy scoring goals. That's what gives me the thrill. And there's nothing that I like more in rugby as someone you know running fifty yards, dodging and know, going fifty meters, whatever it is, and you know, scoring under the post or in the corner. We don't see that. We just see brawn, you know, just bashing over the line, you know, bashing. Phase ten, phase eleven, phase twelve. For God's sake, we get yes. the ball out. To <laughs> so uh, I'll come under criticism for by from the bri the beer and bribe brigade, but still, uh, you know. You've got to have a lot of patience to sit through this. Who's going to maybe win next that's week? That's why you drink beer?
0: Who's going to win next week? I don't
1: know. It's Eddie Jones, hey? He's smart.
0: He really is. He's and that whole smart, business eh? with the with the way they confronted mm. the Haka with that V-shaped mm. formation, mm. it completely discombobulated the All Blacks. Mm. They didn't mm. know what was going mm. on. There's something in their minds, and then England just smashed them. I mean, they were lucky uh-huh. to get seven points, actually. It should have been mm. about... England had two tries disallowed. It should have been maybe 27 28 nil. Yeah.
1: They're, they're, they were very smart. They were very well prepared. And uh, I, I think it highlights the the benefit of a good coach. You know, you can't take anything away from him. I mean, what he did with Japan against the South Africans, the Springboks, what's it, you know, uh, um, four years ago. Yes. Uh, these kind of moves, you know, he's a very smart man and he plays to a game plan. He, he can detect where the weaknesses are. And I think South African rugby is pretty straightforward. Um, so let's see. South Africa can win. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt. They've got, you know, they've got the fitness and they've got the the strength. But uh, um, you just want to see a decent game. You know, you just want to see. You want to have fun, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're quite right. It should be fun. I hate penalties. Yeah. I
1: hate penalties. You know, you you kind of trick somebody into giving a penalty. Get you all cheer why because you can kick the ball through the through the posts and. You know? That's only uh, that's only desperation in 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 uh, UK uh, American football you know, where they have a kick at it. Uh, the idea is to get over the blumen, you know opposing line. You don't play for a for a kick at goal. Do
0: you remember Noel actually did it? It had a yeah. little bit of a stint there, and it didn't mm. work out.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. But he did teach them the side. In fact, I don't know. I think it was, I'm trying to remember the first chap who actually used the round kick. You know, we used to kick with our toes in the olden days. 've uh, got great memories of fundescape missing to he would have put the Springboks up uh twenty three twenty two against the uh the lions in fifty five fundescape mm-hmm. missed that kick. I still have uh, nightmares about it. I was there at Ellis Park yeah. and uh, when he missed the, it, yeah. <laughs> it was a great I remember that, but there they kicked with their toes, you know. Now it's, uh, you know, the, the, the common kick is this roundhouse kick and that which is introduced by South African rugby and used in, you uh, know, American football.
0: David, let's talk about football now, real football, because uh, Arsenal drew 2-2 with Crystal Palace, having been 2-0 up in nine minutes, uh, naivety in the extreme, and they were lucky not to lose. Uh, Liverpool were lucky
1: to beat Spurs
0: uh, 2-1, and so we go on.
1: And uh, I haven't been enamoured by the soccer. I think I think Man City is still playing the best soccer. I do. I I think so. Liverpool are grinding it out, and everybody's getting carried away. But uh, yeah, they had they had moments, but uh, couldn't convert. It's still I don't know. Spurs was such rubbish. That's why they managed to. You know, Liverpool managed to come back, and there's always a dodgy penalty here and there. You know, there's VAR. I don't know.
0: Manchester United. Uh, Manchester Mm. United missed two penalties, talking about penalties. But I just want to go back to Arsenal because that's your team. It says, as captains' performances go, it probably wasn't the one Arsenal manager Unal Emery was looking for when he appointed Grant Jaka, skipper of the Gunners, in September. Having squandered a two-goal lead to Crystal Palace in a Premier League game on Sunday, this is according to CNN, uh, uh, the Swiss international captain was substituted by the manager in the 61st minute as Arsenal searched for a third goal. He was yeah. greeted by ironic cheers, but as the 27-year-old ambled to the side of the pitch, boos began to ring out mm. around the mm. stadium. And then he didn't cover his mouth, which is what players do these days because there are uh, lip readers yeah. uh, working out what mm. they're saying. He launched a foul yeah. mouth tirade against the Arsenal fans. How yeah. can he carry on as the captain? He can't. He,
1: he won't. He took off his jersey mm. and went down the tunnel. He refused to... Shake uh, Una Emery's hand, you know. I'd also do that, but I mean, um, he, yeah, he, it wasn't a thrilling performance. But why the fans booed? Is that when you tune all up? That's where the captains take over, mm. you know. And he just—it uh, was a very sloppy performance by by Arsenal, and particularly by the defense. And the captains are there to captain captain the team, and I think it's just a team without any kind of. Uh, just there, there's no nothing binding them you can see that this is not a, a team that likes each other and to be honest I'm an Ozil fan I think that he's got wonderful skill people always blame him for everything but he's the kind of person you need in a situation who can actually find a hole in the defence which none of the other youngsters or none of the other people who are there so I just, I just think, Arsenal. Awesome. I think, you know, you just want Venga back and you know how bad Venga was towards the latter <laughs> part.
0: <laughs> I never thought I'd
1: hear you say that.
0: Uh, David Shapiro, thank you so much for your time. David Shapiro <laughs> is the Deputy Chairman of SaaS and Securities and that was Shapiro World. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.